All right, all right, all right. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. What a nice morning this morning, right? So, like, crisp and no rain. And set up for a while, I thought I was living in Seattle. It's raining like every day and overcast. And my kids can't play outside. And not good. Not good. All right. Come on in. Come on in. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and get started here as people are coming in and getting settled and getting ready to go here. Um, well, just I want to introduce myself. I, it's been a while since I've been here. Good. Hey, how are you? Um, my name is Jeff, and um, Fitzgerald and James asked me to teach um, a couple weeks back. He's away in Louisiana, I think, enjoying his family and having a good time. North Carolina. Okay. Well, I think he might be enjoying Cinco de Mayo. Um, but uh, which I think it's pretty cool that uh, today is the fifth month and it's the fifth day, right? And five numerically in the in the scriptures means grace, so it's pretty cool. So a special day I think uh, five five. So I want to share just a couple things today um, in the area of uh, of holiness. And I don't know if you guys realize, but the last I don't know couple of months I guess there's been a lot of um, discussion, a lot of um, really negativity uh, when it comes to the message of grace, and uh, as a lot of different, um, you know, ideas out there that people are, are trying to write about grace, and there's some articles that you guys have probably seen. I'm not going to mention the author's name because it doesn't matter, um, but there's really been some negativity when it comes to the area of grace, and specifically when it talks about holiness and what holiness is. Um, there's a lot of people that think holiness is something that we're trying to attain to, rather than something that we already have received in full. So um, I just want to share a couple of ideas and, and a couple of revelations uh, about holiness and true holiness, what that is, what it looks like, and, and certainly uh, what it's not. Some of the time, sometimes the best way to define something is what it's not. So I want to share just a couple of things about holiness and, uh, and we'll get going here. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get going. Father, we love you so much. God, we just thank you that we can come boldly into your presence. God, without fear, without shame, without regret, because we have been made righteous, pure, holy, and blameless. God, that we can come before you. God, we thank you that you're here, that your Holy Spirit is here. We thank you that you're the comforter. You're our counselor. You're not our convictor. You are our convincer of who we are in Jesus. And Father, I just thank you for your word today, God. May we leave differently than the way that we came in. God, may we have a greater revelation of your son Jesus and just how finished his work was. And Father, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So there's an old tale told about a group of blind men who touch an elephant to learn what it's like. One man touches the leg and concludes, elephants are like trees. Oh, no, says the man touching the ear. Elephants are like fans. You're both wrong, says the man touching the tail. Elephants are like snakes. Now, take that story and kind of relate it to holiness. If you ask somebody what is holiness, you ask 50 people what holiness is, you're going to get 50 different answers, especially in the church, right? Some people say, well, holiness is holy living. Holiness is 
um, staying away from sin. Holiness is all of these things. And I'm not saying they're wrong, but it's an incomplete definition. Okay? So I want to just, just you know, conclude as far as what holiness is. And one of the things I want to start out with, there's several misleading definitions of holiness. It's about three or four of them. The first one I think that most people will say is this. Holiness is sin avoidance. Right? That's the most definitions that you'll hear with a lot of people is staying away from sin. That means that you're holy or that you're living a holy life. But if you look at the word holy um, in, its, in its proper context, it's speaking about God himself. Right? God is holy. Now let me ask you the question. Is God holy because he avoids sin? No. God is holy because he's holy. God is God because he's God. It's not saying the reason God is holy, well, he stays away from sin, and he doesn't gossip, and he doesn't you know, um, live an immoral life. Well, that makes him holy. No, he's holy because he's God. right? Uh, God was holy long before there was any sin to avoid. So that's the first one. Holiness is sin avoidance. The second one, definition that you'll sometimes hear, holiness is being set apart from something. right? And that's true, actually. Holiness is being set apart from something. But it's an incomplete definition. Holiness absolutely is being set apart from sin. We've all been, if we've you know, received Christ, we've been a, set apart from sin. From the condemnation, from the guilt, from the shame of sin. But it's an incomplete definition. Not only have we been a, set apart from something, we've been set apart to someone. Right? It's two different things. Right? It's, 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 it's a whole definition. All right? So you have to look at both sides. Yes, we're separated from sin. But we're separated unto Christ. And I think a lot of the times the main focus that a lot of circles focus on is being separated from. They spend a lot of the times talking about separating from, which is true. But if you never talk about what you're separated to, the only thing that you're going to focus on is sin. And you're going to be sin conscious all the time. We don't realize who you've been separated to. So that's a separate, uh, a, a second misleading definition. Um, the third one. Holiness is moral perfection. You ever heard that before? It's moral perfection. It's living a holy life. I don't know about you, but that's impossible. I mean, anybody else out there? I mean, it's, you know, it's impossible, at least for me, it is to live a perfect moral life. We can't do it. That's like saying you're trying to fix the flesh. It's impossible. We all know that. We can't do it. We can't fix the flesh. So it's, holiness is not moral perfection. Okay, so what is holiness? A lot of people will say... Um, you know, if you ask them a question, what is the opposite of holiness, they'll say sin, right? I'm here to tell you sin is not the opposite of holiness. So if you want to, if you got your Bible, uh, flip over to Leviticus uh, chapter 10, verse 10. Leviticus 10, 10. That's where we'll get started here. All right, Leviticus 10.10. 10. I'm going to read it from a different translation here. Oops. Oh, well. That's not working. Okay, I'll read it from this translation. That's all right. All right, Leviticus 10.10. 10. I'm going to start with verse 8. It says, The Lord then spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you, when you come into the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. 
it is a perpetual state uh, statute throughout your generations. And so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane and between the unclean and the clean. Okay? Now, the opposite of holiness is not sin. Okay? The opposite of holiness is common. That's what it means. Okay? It has nothing to do with sin avoidance. Um, yes, of course, we're stay away from sin, but that's not the focus, not the point. Okay? That's begging the question. Um, the opposite, there's holy and there's unholy. Right? There's uncommon and there's common. That's the difference. Okay? The opposite of sin, or, uh, holiness is not sin. It's common. It's, it's very simple. Okay, one of the things that, I, mean, I, went, I went to Bible school, one of the things that they teach in Bible school is what's called the law of first mention. Everybody ever heard of that? The law of first mention. Basically what that means, anytime that a word is used for the first time in Scripture, it's very important to pay attention to the definition and the context of that word. It's called the law of first mention. Okay? The first time that the word holy is used Go ahead and turn to it. It's Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Genesis 2, 3. Just a few chapters before Leviticus. Genesis 2, chapter, three, or chapter 2, verse 3. Excuse me. Everybody there? Okay. I'm going to start with verse 1. Genesis 2, 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts... By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, or made it holy. Sanctified is is another word for made holy. Because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Okay? Verse 3 again. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, or made it holy, because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created. All right. Now, just a question, you know, I asked myself, and this really helped me, but if you look at it, I've read that scripture and that passage of scripture a lot of times, but why was the seventh day holy? Why was the seventh day sanctified? If you notice, if you read that whole chapter, and certainly in verse, uh, in chapter one, also in chapter two, days one through six, God doesn't say they were holy or they were sanctified. You ever ask yourself why those days weren't holy and why they weren't sanctified? Can anybody guess? Exactly. She said because it wasn't done. Right? The reason that God, the reason that God sanctified and made holy the seventh day is because the work was finished. It's completed. Another meaning for holy or sanctified means completeness. It means wholeness. Okay. So it just helps you to understand what this idea of holiness is. Because the seventh day was the day of completion, that's why God said he sanctified it and made it holy. Right? Okay. All right. So there is uh, the word for holy. Uh, There's actually two words. I'm going to write them here on the board. One in Hebrew and then one in in Greek. Um, There's two spellings for this word holy. You can choose either one. God's not going to be mad at you. It's okay. Um, it doesn't matter, but um, that's right. God's not angry. Yes, exactly right. Um, okay, so the first word for holiness in the in the Hebrew is called kadesh. Some people will spell it with a Q, but for time's sake, I'm just going to use the K. Kadesh. It means. <clears throat> 
to sanctify sanctify or to make holy. That's what it means. Very, very simple. Um, okay, the other word in Greek is hagios, H-A-G-I-A-H-A-G-I-O-S. Okay? And that means holy. Sacred is another definition. Whoops, that should probably be a big O. Um, Holy One. This one is one we all need to pay special attention to because it defines who we are. Okay? And it's this word right here. Saints. I know in in this class especially a lot, uh, James refers to us as saints. Right? It's true. James Barron, not the book James in the Bible. But that's true too. Saints. Saints means holy Holy, it means set apart, it means consecrate, it means sanctify, whatever word you want to attach to it, that's what, that's what the word holy means, okay? Okay. Alright, so there's basically three concepts of holiness taught in the church today. All three of them are um, somewhat true, maybe 10%, and then the rest is not. It, it's, it's an incomplete definition. Okay, <clears throat> the first one, this one I think is hilarious, it's funny to me, uh, which you've probably heard it all the time. The first one is positional holiness, right? You guys have heard that before? Yeah, we're holy positionally, almost like a legal term, which is true. We are holy positionally. The way that God sees us, we are positionally, we are holy before God. That is absolutely correct. However, again, it's an incomplete definition. Yes, we are positionally holy. Um, but the issue with that is, is this. Look at uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Romans 5, 19. This is why we're not only positionally righteous. This will help you to understand why we're not just positionally righteous. Okay. I'm going to start at verse 18. This is Romans chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 18, and we'll read 19 as well. Verse 18 says, So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. Verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Okay? Now, to address this positional holiness, if someone really thinks that they are just positionally holy and not actual holy, you can ask them this question. If you are just positionally holy, then you are also, before Christ, only positionally a sinner. Right? Were we, before Christ, were we just a sinner positionally, or were we actual sinners? We were actual sinners, right? So there is no way, on the flip side, that we can be just positionally holy if we were just positionally sinners. doesn't make sense. Before Christ, we were made sinners, right? We didn't have anything to do with that. Through the disobedience of one, we were made sinners. So on the flip side of that, right, there's no way that we can be just positionally holy and not actually holy. Does that make sense? Okay, so for those out there that will 
you know, say we're just positionally holy, say, yeah, you're absolutely right, but that's, it's an incomplete definition. There's no way we can be just positionally holy, okay? And I'll explain a little bit more about that here in a little bit. So that's um, positional holiness. The second one is practical holiness. You'll hear this a lot, practical holiness, right? Um, talks about holy conduct, behavior, how you live your life. It's a progressive holiness. That's another word that you'll hear in a lot of circles is progressive holy. But basically what that definition is teaching and what that idea is teaching is you're perfecting your flesh. That's basically what you're saying is if you're practically living holy. And I'm not saying, yes, of course we live holy, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, But what I'm saying is holiness is not something that you do. It's something that you are. Holiness in and of itself is not a verb. It's a noun. Okay, it is. And what's a noun? It's a person, a place, or a thing. Right? Some, um, some scriptures, it's an adjective used to describe something. But it's not an action word. Okay? It's something that you are. It, it's something that you are. You are holy. Okay? So that's practical holiness. Third one is perfected holiness. Um, basically what that's saying is one day we will be holy. One day when you breathe your last breath, God takes you up to heaven. And by the way, before you get to heaven, he's not going to do a last minute polish. Before you get to heaven, he's not going to clean you up a little bit and then, okay, you're good to go into heaven. No. You are as holy, as righteous, as perfected, as sanctified, as set apart the day you got saved, then you will be in heaven. There's no changing. There's no getting holier, okay? Yes, our minds are being transformed. Absolutely. Our minds are being transformed, right? But it's not something that we're progressively, continually getting more holy, And that's the reason a lot of people are in bondage, especially with my generation, with the young generation. That is like a focus. If you go to a lot of these conferences, that's what they hit on. That's what they, I mean, they drill it into their heads. You're not living holy enough. You're not holy enough. You don't have enough zeal. You don't have enough passion. You're not praying enough. Only you're only going to pray in an hour a day. Uh, You need to pray three hours a day. If you really want to be holy, you need to pray three hours a day. You need to be like the men back in the 1800s. You need to be like Charles Wesley and John Wesley and John G. Lake and all these guys. They were holy. Like there's some standard of holiness. No, there is one standard of holiness. That's Jesus Christ. There is one standard, and he is it. A lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of um, ministries out there that kind of portray this, we are the standard of holy living. But they're not. <laughs> you can't perfect the flesh. It's impossible. And, and it's actually sad because if they realized who they are in, in its fullness, they could take a lot of the pressure off themselves. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you talk to a lot of pastors, if they were really honest with themselves, they really put a lot of undue pressure on themselves because they feel like they have to put up this image of perfection. And in, in and of ourselves... In our flesh, we're not perfect. We can't live perfectly. But our spirit and who we are is perfect. It's not becoming more perfect or holy or anything like that. So that's perfected holiness. And a fourth one is, is actual holiness. It really, we are holy. We are set apart. We're sanctified. Whatever word you want to attach to that. So holiness means perfection in the sense of completion. Okay? So just make it very simple. It just means completion. So how did we become holy? All right? It's a, it's a fair question. How do we become holy? It had nothing to do with us. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Hebrews 10, 10. One of my favorite books in all the Bible. Hebrews 10, 10. 
I'm going to start in verse 8. I just, I don't know, that's how I like doing it the scripture before. Verse 8, after saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. Verse 10, by this will we, what? Have been. Sanctified through what? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. One day in heaven. Once for all. Once for all. By this will. Will can also mean covenant. It's the same thing. By this covenant. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So our holiness has nothing to do with our action. Okay, it can it produces it, yes, but that's a it's a fruit. All right, holiness is a root. It's who you are. Okay, yes, of course, when you realize who you are, that you are fully sanctified, you are fully set apart, then it's a natural holy living, right? But a lot of the times, it's the church has it reversed. It's focusing on what I have to become. If I live right, if I live holy, then maybe one day God will see me as being holy. But when you realize that you are holy, you'll naturally do it. And this is, this is really, if you want to put it down to a nutshell, this I think is what ha- what's happening in a lot of circles. Anybody ever play sports? Anybody ever run track? I know my wife did, but I did sports. Okay. So there's basically, there's two things, right? You have a starting line and you have a finish line, Right? So what a lot of the church has done, they've put holiness at the finish line, right? That's the focus. It's holy. One day I'm going to be holy if I act good enough, if I pray enough, if I fast enough, if I read my Bible enough, if I save at least three people a day, if I do all these things, then one day I'm going to be holy. It's the focus is on the finish line. But really the reality is holiness, you have to focus, it's at the starting line. Holiness is who you are. At the start, the day that you said, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior, you are holy. 100% purified, holy, set apart, sanctified, whatever, again, whatever word you want to attach to that, okay? You are holy. The starting line is holiness, not the finish line. A lot of the churches have made holiness the finish line, or maybe kind of somewhere in between or something like that. No, holiness is, is, it's right at the beginning, okay? Does that make sense? Does that help? Okay, good. All right. Okay, so we can't make ourselves holy. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. I'm going to read, just flip to it and read it just for time's sake here. But Matthew 5, 48. We're going to look at a, an, another definition and how Jesus at least talks about uh, holiness. Matthew 5, 48. Okay, and again, I'm going to start at uh, verse 46. Uh, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what m- more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Verse 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect. Some translations are say, says holy. Right? It's the same thing. As your heavenly Father is perfect or holy. Okay? 
All right. So the Greek word for, uh, for the word perfect, it actually means complete or whole. Okay? Again, it has nothing to do with action necessarily. It has everything to do with, with who you are. So you can read it another way, verse 48. Therefore, you are to be um, complete or whole, even as your Father is complete and whole. Okay? So, another scripture there just to help. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, uh, is another one that um, is another one of my favorites, and I'm just going to read it here just for time's sake. Hebrews 10, 14, one of my favorites as well. Says, for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. It's a past tense thing, okay? Anytime you see um, sanctification in the scriptures, it's always a past tense. If it's saying being sanctified, it's not the correct translation, okay? Some translations will say being sanctified. No, it's you are sanctified, it's a past tense thing, okay? Um, Another word, again, if you look at the word saints, it also means um, complete or holy or set apart. Um, Just to prove that holiness really has nothing to do with actions, if you look at a lot of the letters that Paul wrote, do you see how he addresses it, the church, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 2 says, "...to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified..." In Christ Jesus, some translations will say, um, will say saints, okay? Uh, but this one just happened to use another translation. Now, anybody that knows church history knows about the Corinthian church. Did they act very holy? Anybody that knows that? Okay, no, they had temple prostitutes. They had all types of things that Paul had to deal with. But Paul still called them saints because that's who they are, they're saints. So, therefore, it has nothing to do with action. Yes, he addressed their behavior, of course, but he always wanted them to realize that your behavior is not who you are, okay? You're who you are by birth, not behavior, right? Your identity, it's who you are. It has nothing to do with your behavior, okay? I'm going to skip ahead here just for time's sake because we've only got about 10 minutes here. Um, some other scriptures um, that talk about it, Romans 12.1 uh, talks about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Um, okay. So, what is, what is holiness according to the New Covenant? All right, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Charles Spurgeon wrote um, a lot on holiness, and a lot of the things he wrote on holiness were, were, um, were incorrect and incomplete. But one of the things he talks about holiness, it's describing who God is, and it's, it's correct. So, this is one thing that Charles Spurgeon wrote. He says, Holiness is the harmony of all the virtues. The Lord has not one glorious attribute alone or in excess. But all glories are in him as a whole. This is the crown of his honor and the honor of his crown. His power is not his choicest jewel nor his sovereignty, but his holiness. Um, in this all comprehensive moral excellence, he would have his creatures take delight. And when they do so, their delight is evidence that their hearts have been renewed and they themselves have been made partakers of his holiness. Okay. Um, another thing that you can, that you can uh, look at when it comes to the area of holiness is the wilderness tabernacle. Okay, the tabernacle of Moses, right? You had all the, 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 three, um, the three stations, however you want to look at that. And then you had the holies of holies, which only the high priest could go into one time per year, right? So let's look at that for a second. There were basically um, seven furnishings, if you want to look at it, furniture, whatever you want to call it. The tabernacle itself, it was holy. If you ask any Israelite... I guess I turned off there. Power went out. Oh, well. Okay. Okay. Um, 
So if you ask any Israelite, what is the holy place and where is that at? They're going to say the tabernacle. That is the holy place. They're not going to call themselves holy because that would be stupid. They wouldn't know what that means. Holiness and holy was the tabernacle, right? Okay, there's basically seven furnishings. You had the altar of burnt offering, the laver, the table of showbread, the lampstand, the altar of incense, the ark of the covenant, and the mercy seat. Now, can you imagine, just for a second, let's just say that you're the high priest, okay? You're Aaron, okay? Can you just imagine walking up to, let's say, the, um, the altar of burnt offering? I'll just pick that one out, okay? It's where they placed the lambs on the, uh, on the altar, sacrificed them, all of that. It was holy, right? It was a holy furnishing that God instituted. Can you imagine the priest walking up to that um, altar and basically shaking it and saying, I need you to be more holy, right? I need you to start acting holy. You're not holy. You're not living holy enough. Well, why wouldn't he do that? Because the altar of incense was holy. It, It was separated. It was consecrated unto God. So on the flip side of that, it makes no sense for you to say to yourself or try to convince yourself or condemn yourself that you need to live more holy. No, because again, holiness is a noun. It's not a verb. makes no sense. So that would be crazy for them to do that. Like, or to say to the lampstand, you need to start living holy. Or you know, to, the whole, to, the, um, to the Ark of the Covenant, you, know, you need to start pursuing holiness. You're not acting holy enough. You're not being separated enough. That, was, that would be crazy for them to say that. Okay, so look at the tabernacle as being holy. Now, on the flip side of that, the tabernacle is not the wilderness tabernacle anymore. Where is it? Right here. Right here. Okay, so if the wilderness tabernacle in the Old Covenant was holy, separated unto God fully, so how much more on this side of the New Covenant are we just as holy? Right? It, it just makes sense. The grace of God just makes sense, and he did that for us. The entire tabernacle was holy. It was set apart. Okay, last area I'm going to focus on uh, really quick is um, holiness and dealing with, uh, with the Spirit. Sealed with the Spirit. We are sealed with the Spirit, right? So again, holiness means perfection or completeness. And one thing I want to mention really, really quick, because this, this kind of helped me um, talking about holiness Okay. All right. So let's just imagine for a second we have this, you know, this line, right? Um, we have one starting point here, and then we have an ending point here, right? What the, a lot of the churches, and, and I mentioned this at the beginning, what most churches focus on is right here. Um, separated from. They focus right here. And that's where they stay. That's it. Right? It's an incomplete definition. Yes, we are separated from, but this kind of helped me with a visual. But can you imagine God, even in the New Covenant, saying, you know what? I'm going to separate you from sin. Uh, I'm going to separate you from the condemnation, from the guilt, all of that. But I'm just going to kind of leave you right here in the middle, just kind of floating. And the rest of the way to get here... Works of the flesh. Basically, can you imagine God saying, good luck? I hope to see you on the other side. But that's a lot. I mean, if you look at the mentality with a lot of teachings, that's what they focus on. You know? And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's incomplete. Yes, we are separated, but God would never, ever, what God does, he does fully in and of himself. It's God's work. It's not ours. 
It's not up us to be holy. We cannot sanctify ourselves. It's impossible. Even the high priest could not sanctify himself. Okay? So, God, in his, in his grace, takes us all the way from there, all the way to there. It is the, it's the finish line. You are holy. It's not something that you're attaining to. Okay? So, I hope that helps. Um, okay, so a couple scriptures here. 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. And we'll kind of end here, just for time's sake. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. This really helped me out. I uh, hope it does you as well. Sounds like we're back on, right? Cool. All right. Okay. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Okay, I'm going to start with verse, verse 15. If any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Verse 16, this is so key. Verse 16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Verse 17, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. Okay, and that's not talking about God physically destroying that context in in the Greek and all of that stuff, which I did um, look up and study, deals with wrong teaching. Okay, and that, that's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about as far as God destroying the temple. Uh, for God will destroy him. This last part is so key. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Okay? That just hits home with me. That just, it's done. That's a done deal. Um, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Okay? You are the temple of God. Ephesians 1.13 Ephesians 1.13, flip there really quick. Ephesians 1.13. Okay, verse 13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Okay, there's another one. 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19. 1 Corinthians 6.19. If you guys aren't getting these scriptures, you can just ask me afterwards. I'll give them to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. 2 Corinthians 6.16. I just want to give you as much scripture as I can, because I think without scripture, then it's just, you have nothing to back it up. So, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. <clears throat> verse 15 says, What harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Verse 16. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Uh, just as God said, I will delight in them, walk among them, I will be their God, they shall be my people. Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, or be holy. Okay? Uh, last one, John 14, uh, 15 through 17. John 14, actually it's not the last one, I have a couple more. I'm just going to give you guys a lot of scripture today if that's okay. Um, John 14, 15 through 17. We got about five minutes. Okay, good. John 14. 
Okay. Um, so 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is a spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you. All right. There is no way impossible that you can't be holy and be in union with God. It's impossible. Right. God does not dwell in an unclean house. It's impossible. Right. You are holy. That, that's who you are. Okay. Um, last, um, last scripture here. Uh, actually, it's not. I have two more. Ephesians 4.24. Ephesians 4.24. All right. Okay, verse 23. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Some translations, some translations will say created in righteousness and true holiness. All right? So if there's something that's true holiness, then there must be something that's false holiness. Right? Or else Paul would have just said righteousness and holiness. All right? There's nothing in the Bible that is, um, that's just doesn't, has no meaning of being there. Right? Not insignificant. There's nothing in the scripture that's insignificant. Or else Paul would have just said, created in righteousness and holiness. But no, Paul made it a point to say righteousness and true holiness. So there is something as false holiness, right? And we've kind of seen here this morning what false holiness is. False holiness in and of itself is moving from the outside in. All right? It's exterior motivated, the inside. So let me ask you a question. Is God holy from the outside in or is he holy from the inside out? It's holy from the inside out. Same way with us. We are holy from the inside out and in everything that we do naturally. And the reason that a lot of people can't really get their minds around um, them being perfectly holy is because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of days I don't feel holy. Right? Anybody else? Am I just the only one? Okay. Just checking. There's a lot of days where I don't feel holy. I don't act holy necessarily. My wife can attest to that. Right? There's a lot of days where I don't feel holy. So people... They really um, put up their experience and their feelings like that is the standard. So if I don't feel holy, then there's no way I can really be holy. So that's the reason they can't really put it in their minds and believe what the scriptures say that they are fully holy. All right? Because you have to separate feelings, right? We don't live by our feelings because they go up and they go down. It's a roller coaster ride. There's some days that we feel holy because we read our Bible that day or we witnessed to somebody. That doesn't make you holy. It's a good thing. We should do those things, but they don't make you holy. You're holy because God created you and separated you. You are holy. Okay? So I'll end with this scripture. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 through 23. This is, talks a little bit about uh, kind of that fleshly holiness and thinking it's about the exterior uh, in. And I'm going to read from the Amplified again. This is Colossians 2, 20 through 23. It says, If then you have died with Christ... To material ways of looking at the things that have escaped from the world's crude and elemental uh, notions and teachings of externalism. Why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to rules and regulations such as do not handle this, don't taste that, don't even touch them. Referring to things all of which perish with being used. To do this is to follow human precepts and doctrines. 
Such practices have indeed the outward appearance that popularly passes for wisdom in promoting self-imposed rigor of devotion and delight in self-humiliation and severity of discipline of the body. But they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh or the lower nature. Instead, they do not honor God, but serve only to indulge the flesh. Okay, that's the amplified version. So, in its essence, what a lot of people are focusing on, unfortunately, is focusing on the exterior. And if I focus on the exterior, then one day, I'll be holy, maybe. If I act holy enough, if I live holy enough, but... What they have to understand is holiness is from the inside out. It's who you are in your core being, right? We worship God in spirit and in truth, not in soul and emotions, right? It's in spirit and in truth. So we relate to God spirit to spirit. That's how God sees us, isn't in our spirit. He doesn't see the flesh um, as far as who we are. Yes, he sees everything we do, of course, But that's not how he sees us. He sees us as holy, as pure, as blameless, as righteous as you will ever be. There's nothing for you to do to become more holy. So don't let anybody try to convince you that you're working on your holiness, that you're progressively getting holier, that you one day will be sanctified, that you one day uh, in heaven when you meet Jesus that you will be holy. No, you are holy A person that's been saved for five minutes and a person that's been saved for 50 years are exactly the same. They are holy in the same way. There's no one that's holier than another. Maybe someone has a more deeper revelation of Jesus, of course, but does it make them more holy? It just means they've been walking with Jesus longer, so they have more of a revelation. Does that help? Does that help with holiness? So I hope hope that helps. So um, let me just pray and... um, We'll, uh, we'll get you guys out of here. And again, if you didn't get any of those scriptures, just come see me. I'll give them to you. And uh, if you have any other questions, I'll, I'll stick around, whatever you need. So, yes.
pray. Amen. 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 Well, Lord, we do recognize, Father, that we are holy. We are wholly yours, God, and we just thank you for this message, God, that you've given us freedom to live in that freedom, that we are wholly separated unto you, Father, and we just thank you for that uh, revelation. Continue to develop that, Father, and we thank you that you have made us holy, perfectly, eternally holy, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Enjoy. Thank you, guys.